0: Good evening, and welcome to episode three of Shoes Off for the Blue and Green. On this episode, the Pride Razor edition, we're going to go through a few topics, such as recapping the month of June and the month of Pride Razor, Um, looking at some news out of uh, TSN's uh, Rick Westhead out of the CSA. We're going to talk about our guys the tour, and the Gold Cup, we're going to talk about moba bully making player of the week in the entire cpl we're going to talk transfer window um because that's coming up soon we're going to talk uh why you is actually hiring a few new staff members and we're going to shout out some uh some of our YU folks there and we're going to talk about a whole lot of other stuff in between first thing i'm going to do is introduce the co-hosts of this once again josh what's going on
1: hey how's it going i'm
0: doing all right man um, our next co-host here on the bus is Namu.
1: What's up, guys?
0: <laughs> so, uh, Namu's taking the, the TTC, I imagine. And, uh, or it could, it could be up there in New York Region. Uh, don't want to, you know, dox him. And co-host number three is Thomas. What's going on?
2: It's good. It's good. about a good week. We got to go to that Gold Cup game. It was a bit disappointing, but, you know. It was uh, overall. I, I think it was it's good to have games in Toronto as we get ready
0: for twenty twenty six. So, awesome. It's super exciting. I'm, I'm hoping to scrounge up my pennies too and maybe get to go see. Um, assuming Canada qualifies to the uh, Copa America twenty twenty four, I was just telling some of the, the other day. I'm like, yeah, that one's in the the U S. Even though even if it's a uh, South America tournament, it's the second time they're doing it in the in the states, the Copa America. So.
2: I know Canada can't qualify
0: for that yet, but people people need to get very excited about that. That's coming up soon. Now. That's big. Yeah the uh, the players like everyone's obviously kind of thinking like oh God, Messi and like Argentina, the uh, most recent World Cup win- like the reigning World Cup winners uh, will be down here and Brazil. I mean, I know York United. It's like watching Brazil, but um, we will uh, be excited to see the real thing and like, but even countries down to like Uruguay and like. Ecuador and, and all the Commonwealth nations are uh, are really um, really uh, you know exciting to have them come up, and uh, as well like while while we're on the topic of like the international competition, we'll go right into the topic that's like that's really exciting is uh, on um, the the first game on, on Tuesday Canada versus Guadalupe and and <laughs> the guys on Footy Prime kept saying Guadalupe and Guadalupe and going between them so much that my head started to spin. But anyway, in the, in the uh, 2-2 game, Dom Zator gets himself a few minutes and a debut with the men's national team. It looked awesome there. I think what a lot of us appreciated, and I think uh, a couple of people mentioned this as well, seeing their family in the stands, like they were like in tears. Of course they like would be. Seeing uh, him. He looks great in the Canada shirt, too. Like, he looks like he'll fit there. and um, it looks Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> as a, as a, I'm going to say, yeah, he looks like a natural there. And, uh, you know, not to disparage the uh, any teammates or anything, but I don't think there were some other defensive players that had uh, a very good game. Like, Vittoria was not his usual self for sure. So, you know, being a little bit greedy, I wonder if maybe Dom Zator gets a star or gets more to play Guatemala and, and, um, is it Guatemala and Cuba? Who, know, who knows more about this than... Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. What was that, uh, Thomas? Uh, it, it is Guatemala
2: and Cuba, and it's, uh, it's in Houston.
0: Yeah, so... Those ones are in Houston with the uh, game uh, on on Canada day and a little bit too bad that one couldn't be actually up here in uh, Canada <laughs> um, so anyone else have any thoughts on the gold cup on Dom Zator? tour I think it was pretty awesome to see the tour Ken uh, the start for Canada It's cool to see a YU guy going going to moving up and I don't know made
1: definitely made me feel pretty good to watch uh, watch one of our guys.
0: Alrighty. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I am very confident that he's going to get way more minutes. I I wouldn't say a start yet, but I think way more minutes because, like Herman said, you know the the Guatemala team can run forever, and it with that heat, you are need to rotate. Like Zach McGraw is also was kind of in the same boat as the tour, is very new and still you know learning from Steven Vittoria, and I think as we saw in the first game, um, Steven Vittoria can be you know. Sometimes you know his age and the amount of fixtures that he's been playing is going to catch up to him. So um, I think that um, I think that he will definitely be
0: getting a lot more minutes. Yeah, that would be awesome. So the um, so uh, we'll uh, also bring in. We have a special guest uh, for this episode. We always love it when he joins again, even if it happens a few times per year. Each time it itself is appreciated. We have CEO, President, General Manager. I think I have that right this time. <laughs> I think I missed <laughs> one. <also. laughs> you know, there's a, you know, the man of many hats, of York, the man of many green and blue hats, Angus McNabb. Welcome to Shoes Off for the Blue and Green. Um, our first question for you, we'll, we'll keep it on sator So having uh, brought him to the team, that was a, a signing that... Me personally, and I know a lot of us were, were excited for that, had seen how how strong a player he was on Cavalry, um, and, and something that York has uh, much, much uh, better than some other CPL teams, but just a good amount cycling every year is just the sale of players and those players, you know, doing excellent things. Obviously, on um, Corona Cache, the... Uh, caught the eye of John Herdman, who, who was impressed by seeing him play 90 minutes every week and, and get them out of the relegation zone. So let us know about either, you know, Zator is who he is as a player or just uh, what your thoughts on his uh, his Gold Cup game.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he obviously had a pretty limited time. Um, but with what he was on, he did a great job. Um, it's what... All of us have come to expect from Zatz, Really, um, he is a phenomenal player. Um, he's a phenomenal person, and as you guys said, it was fun, it was just great to see uh, his now wife uh, Megan in the stands and all of their family. And like they've like forget the two years with us when they're in the stands, not just when we're in Calgary, but coming to your client's stadium. Um, the White Gaps game, like they they were everywhere supporting Dom. And even as he's waited to get a full Canada cap, I mean, they've been to Vegas, they've been to Toronto twice, they've been to Curaçao. Right. So it's just phenomenal. I'm uh, just delighted for that.
0: Sorry, yeah, that's uh, exactly what uh, what we kind of felt like is he was the um, you know the that, that kind of solid player and an Iron Man for uh, York United again. Minus, I, th- I was just uh, reading, I think it was uh, Owen's column yeah. on uh, the York United site about just like except for the extreme muscle cramps, he played every single minute of the the last season there, and that was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just his his uh, his exact style there. So, um, so I, I mentioned a little bit before transfers. So something that we're kind of excited to do. Um, and I I admittedly know more about the European one than I do the, the CPL one, which is a little bit newer to me. But I think upcoming soon is the the transfer uh, window. And um, we've already seen some movement, something that had been in a previous transfer window that I'll lead with is the very exciting um, move, or excuse me, um, the, um, sorry, the uh, the permanent um, transfer, uh, having met the conditions uh, of Ronan Pratt to Werder Bremen. Uh, again, very, very exciting. We will miss him. He was a great player and and always, you know, came and said hi and was really friendly with us. And, and him and his father there, too, were, were always a pleasure to have. So, congrats to, to Ronan Pratt. So, uh, I'll let you kind of answer the, the two things I just brought up there. If you have, uh, again, any, any things to say about Pratt's um, transfer. Uh, an, another one that, that we saw news of recently that was uh, it sounds a bit more unfortunate because it sounds like a family situation is Asana Fey. Um, and then finally just to round it out again very very long question but you know what are your thoughts on on Krat on Fey, um, and as well just the overall upcoming transfer window anything uh, that you can sprinkle in obviously you don't want to uh, show all the cards but you know we would love to hear about Krat about Faye and then about any other transfer-related things that you're, you're willing to share. Yeah, for
3: sure. So Ronan, um, there were a couple of performance triggers that we, we put in the deal um, when we sort of did the loan. So there was a fee um, that Werder Bremen paid us over and above, um, like taking on Ronan's salary. Um, and that's important because it shows they're committed. Um, to developing the player um, and then on top of that we fixed the transfer amount based on Ronan playing a certain number of games um, it was quite amusing actually uh, you guys speculating he's not played that much he's not played this he's not played that um, the Bundesliga are pretty good actually at hiding um, some of the data and some of the video on their 23s games um, but he was playing pretty regularly out there. And you guys uh, in your counting had certainly missed some appearances, missed some minutes on things there. Um, And that was triggered pretty early into his loan spell, to be honest, um, with the minutes that he had played. And so that's been a bit of business. that has been done for a while. Um, Obviously, there's a little bit of a delay announcing it as Werder Bremen got some things in place and announced their new 23s coach, which was done 24, 48 hours before the announcement on Roman. Um, On Lasana, um, look, he's a guy who's come in, he's worked, he's played serious minutes for us, he's been in the team of the week. Um, He's had a a rough couple of years in football um, where a couple of situations um, have meant he's not been able to play. He then got into a dispute with his club on his release so that he could then actually come to us and and play matches, having signed in the Ukraine. Um, We've worked with that. We've managed to get him back playing football. Um, And then sadly, the guy is a family situation. So with that, if we speak about, and I've used this phrase before, being player-centered and things there, um, we have to look at what's best for him. And once we knew that, we worked very hard with his agents and found him a move back to uh holland that made sense for us as a club as well um because lasana was developing into a regular starter for us and someone that was contributing so we have to do the right thing by ourselves as a business and make sure we we get what we need and all parties are satisfied it's not perfect but it's the best of a a bad situation um an unfortunate situation but we move forward um so Obviously, with last going, that opens up a space in the squad. And uh, myself, Nashi, Maro, Camillo, working through that just now. And uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what we do there. But some business is being done across the league. There's obviously um, up in Ottawa. Um, there's more folk flying in from Spain. Um, and then uh, across with... On the west side of the uh, country, there's obviously that swap deal that's gone down today between Cavalry and Vancouver. Um, So things are are happening. Things are starting to move. Um, Obviously, the international window opens up next week. Um, And so that that plays into it for transfer clearance if we were to look at overseas targets. Um, But we'll obviously look at what we need to do. We'll look at the injury situation and where we are there and as we get medical reports in and, and things we can uh, react accordingly and supplement where we need to
0: yeah thank thank you for all that That was uh, awesome to hear yeah um the uh Krat uh, transfer or sorry sorry hitting all the the target uh, well the transfer fee in itself is great to hear and the uh Hitting the targets, you know, sounds good. I think the uh, they really do keep things under wraps because the most news I saw came from I think like a fan or a photographer account or something like that, and and Ronan himself would sometimes share those images, and then I'd say, okay, looks like he got to start here or there. So yeah, sure. um, and then yeah, yeah, unfortunate about uh, Lasana because he was uh, you know great while he's there. He seemed uh, to get like is the player they could put in on to left back play him for 90 minutes and uh and not worry about it too much. Um so a bit of of our speculation and again you don't have to to tip tip your hat or in, in any way so you, any form or kind of thing but we I'm
3: happy I'm happy to answer it but you're not allowed to say our speculation. Everyone's got to put their name on on it in terms of like if people are going to speculate they've got to say who it is.
0: Um, the, uh, the, the thing, like, I'm not even, a couple of us have been thinking, even without adding a player in, in the defense, we're, we're wondering, like, Paris G, um, between Paris G, uh, Max Ferrari and Jonathan Grant, that's, uh, three pretty solid, um, fullbacks, and then hopefully with, again, similar trio of Tass, um, Roger, and even, uh, Noah Abatna looked looked great in his, uh, his debut the other day. Um, but I like it's always a place where you kind of want more depth too. But we we were just more uh, clamoring in a really good way in, in the game where, for example, uh, Grant, uh, sorry, uh, G and Ferrari each flanked uh, like they reached the fullbacks. They looked great every time Grant's been out there. Like he he's been looking better and better. So uh, it's, uh, it's 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 the um, the pride game I was thinking of where it was Grant. On the right side and Ferrari on the left side, like they were doing well. So we, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, have a lot of uh, faith in our defense. And if it gets uh, better, that's only a plus. But our, uh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, sorry, any of the co hosts have any kind of transfer related oh. questions? Go right ahead.
1: Um, I guess I would have a question. Do we have any, uh, I guess, generalities of any of our players moving on to bigger leagues? Um, When you look at someone like Tass, uh, he seems like he's been falling out this whole season. Are we going to
0: see anybody maybe move on because of uh, going up to bigger and better things?
3: Yeah, it's always a possibility um, in terms of there's nothing live right now um, in negotiations with another club, but Um, the window's just opening so look it's uh, with success and I think we've had modest success I don't think we're happy um, with it just yet and and that's a positive Um, I think there is two possibly three more gears for this squad um, in things clicking and moving forward and so when that happens yeah, there's going to be more eyeballs guys are going to attract attention Um, and then we'll take it from there and see. Um, but we're not in a rush to do anything. I think we've got a really good environment, good training environment that Nashi's like cultivated and the guys enjoy being in each other's company and we're doing some nice things. So we, we want to see a little bit more. Um, we know that we've not taken chances and that frustrates us a little bit we go on a good run um and then we have a week where we're one draw a couple of losses um in the last three that really it's a function of a tight schedule a lot of travel when you concede late goals as we have done um but we've just got to get better continue to get better every day and uh we'll do that um we really will and Really, really confident in this group that we can uh, put another like run of not just going unbeaten because I think there's a couple of teams got a little bit of uh false hope from being unbeaten rather than winning we've got to put more runs of three four like we we want to beat three wins in a row we want to be four five wins in a row as a club um because you see with this table what that does and um because of the frequency and the familiarity we have with each other within this league, um, you've got to put runs together. Um, and you've got to end up with a positive record against a team when you look at your four-game series across the year. So there's a couple we got to target, and we've got a tough month in July. Um, but we've done some of the harder travels that we will have this season um, once we've got this one out the way. Uh, on the weekend, going all the way west. Um, we've been to Pacific twice. We only go to Vancouver like once more. Um, we've got once more to Calgary. Uh, we've got once more to Winnipeg, um, and then obviously we've got quite a few home games and games in Ontario. A couple of hops up to Hal- another hop up to Halifax, but it's. Um, We've got to take advantage of what the schedule does for us now in the back half of the year. It's a great
0: point. The schedule has not been uh, easy either. Like when I did uh, the the player of the month kind of set up there, I mentioned like, geez, part of this month had a three games in six days stretch. Like, yikes. And with ridiculous travel going between BC having to come back from there, from like not even just like, Vancouver I imagine, are even easier to get to than when you got to get all the way to uh, up to Vancouver Island and it's um, even further so it's good that we've uh, you know done those two trips out of the way like and uh, the results the uh, the four one was a bit rough but then it kicked off the the winning streak afterwards and oh, this last game was so close the the one that just happened so they have to feel I you know we've we a lot of us pretty much all of us have probably played and we've seen like the the last couple minutes uh golden been given up but that i think has been happening league-wide like the amount of last uh last five minutes of the game or extra time just lead changes or something happening has been uh has made for a really exciting season especially like i i try to watch uh every game from every team and it's uh
3: Exciting stuff there, Uh, Thomas. Oh, sorry. The the four-one was frustrating, but I'll say again in terms of like it wasn't four-one where we got one consolation. It was a four-one, and it was a very, very harsh lesson in take your chances. Like we had chances at two-one to take that to two-two. That goes to two-two. It's a different situation, and then you look at the late goals when you are chasing. um, Things break down. That happens when you have to go and chase. Um, and so it was a catalyst to something because it gave us a wake-up call that we have to like, not get down on things, get whatever else. You have to make your own luck. You have to take the opportunities that are presented to you and the guys move on from that and put it together. And I think that saw a mentality switch that when we went into that Halifax game up there, Start fast, start harder, and we've been doing that. But again, cavalry at the weekend. When we look at the momentum graph, we look at sort of our race chart and expected goals, and we look at that cumulatively. We've got to do better early, and that game and the shape of that game could change. Yeah, that's a yeah, great great point. How close it was. If I'm
0: not mistaken, the the goal two was like a pretty. Uh... Pretty like stunning one, like in a way that like I can't I'm looking it up now. Yeah, those that, that was Dos Santos. That was the one I thought it was. So his uh, Dos Santos, highly real goals all around, and and be nice to carry that one to teach you. But what we can, do, all we can do now is uh, we play them mid July and in, in, in our home, and hopefully they they feel the effects of the long trip. But Thomas, you've had your hand up for a long time. I'll Let you go ahead with your question. Uh hi Angus, I hope you're doing uh, good
2: today. I was just thinking curious about you know, we've seen this year, it's very different compared to last year where um maybe the twenty one minutes uh they, we haven't been getting as many and you know a big part of that is just like players are hanging out and um on on the flip side of it, you know, is that York has become very competitive. But do you think in the trend it's 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 key that you get an under twenty one player? or like does do the minutes play into any of the decision making
3: um, well we, we've had some knocks as well like you, you've got to remember that um, Theo we signed and unfortunately picked up a knock the following week after his signing in Germany um, before we announced it so it a little bit unfortunate he obviously came back at the weekend um, as part of the new agreement, played down with uh, Alliance in League One and uh, got a headed goal in, I think, the 85th minute and got one nil win for them. So um, that's great. And that shows the value of that uh, partnership with Alliance and with Ilya Orlov, a great guy who's got that opportunity for our guys there as well. Um, and then Noah um, has taken a little bit of time to get up to speed since he's come in. Um, And look, it's the under 21 this year when we've had so many players age out of it last year. And when you look at last year, we had obviously Cedric, who ultimately that is part of a trade for Baldy. And where Baldy is on the roster now is because of that sort of kicking off with Cedric last year, knowing that Cedric is ageing out of under 21 minutes and had a significant value to us last year in our salary cap situation and manipulating on that a little bit um, and making that efficient. So it allows us to do something like the Mo deal mid um, in that trade with Cedric, Baldy coming in and some things there. Um, but you've then got Isaiah, who was obviously sold. You've got Osase aging out as well. Um, and those guys played significant minutes. Elias played significant minutes last year once Nico got injured. He's obviously jumped in for a game because we've had three in a week as well. We're pretty confident in the plan that we've got. Um, But it's not to say that if the right players there, we'll look at them regardless of age in this window. Um, It is a – look, I get it in terms of like that it's a commitment to under-21 players and things there – My view on it, in a a little bit, is it's tough. You don't get any credit for what you've done in the past. Um, Not just leading under-21 minutes, but those players going on as under-21s and being sold. So whether it's an Abzi who came through that programme and has moved on, Cedric, who ultimately transferred internally within the league, but a transfer, Isaiah, transferred at the end of that window as well. So it's something that I feel should look at. There's one very short-term wrinkle with under-21 players right now um, in that the players that we're speaking about who are either 18 or at the tail end of that window at 21. They've got 18 months to two years of football that they miss in pretty prime development years because of COVID and the pandemic. Um, we ourselves had professional players playing seven games in 2020. Um, The situation in youth soccer is that these kids, when we're getting them in right now, they're probably as much as 60 games, maybe 75 games light in their development um, because they missed them at a pretty foundational age. So there's a little bit of a challenge there, but that's a short-term one. Um, And hopefully we'll, we'll get back to Doing what we've done previously in the yeah. future, and um,
2: and you, I, you, you know, you talk about him. I, I also think that you know Theo Afwerker can be a very promising uh, young striker. Is there, a, uh, is it? Is, I, I assume you know, with an injury like that, nothing can be set in stone about his return date. Is it just me, you know, playing straight with the Lions?
3: No, in terms of fight, he's obviously he's in full training every day. Um, it will depend on our own injury fitness situation. Um, But the thing with these under 21 minutes as well is they can't be token. Like, we've got a 23-man squad who are all competing for minutes. So if a player is under 21 and is playing on our roster, it's because they're putting the work in every day. And either through squad rotation and what we do, or just player performance and earning it, they're going to get the start. So... The under 21 minutes, as much as it is about development, it's not about tokenism. The kids have all got to earn it um, that come into this group. And then like, this is the jump up. You are going from not having been involved in men's training sessions to a very athletic, very physical league in the CPL. And you're expected to contribute straight away. So it's going to take a little bit of time for, for some guys when they come into an environment. And I think with our squad depth this year, we help get them up to speed on a daily basis, just with the quality of training, the quality of players around them. But it's not easy. Um, and so these guys have got to earn it and they've got to work really hard to to play minutes and ultimately take a starting Jersey or take a substitute Jersey off someone else because... We can. Martin can only name 11 starters, 7 subs every week. So it's got to be very competitive and it's got to be a meritocracy who plays on this football team.
1: Uh, and uh, Angus, you know, my question would be related to the uh, U21 minutes as well, right? I was wondering, like, uh, you know, for this... Um Transfer window, like uh, do you think you'll be trying to uh, address, I guess, uh, our lack of U21 minutes uh, by adding another player too? Even us with us getting uh, after work back and stuff. And I guess the other like I'll ask you a fun question about the U21 minutes as well. Is uh, you know like uh, one of the fun debates that we have in our group chat is uh, you know like how we would uh, adjust the U21 rule uh, as the uh, the league uh, matures and develops, right? And in your opinion, like you know, if you could make one change. To the, the Canadian U21 rule right now, what kind of change would you make to the rule?
3: Um, so first off, on the transfer bit, I don't know if you heard it. Like we might look at that. We'll look at best available players and bring into the squad according to our positional needs. Um, under 21 may come into it. Um, probably more on the salary cap side and what we do there, as much as um, an under 21 minutes aspect of it. Um, But we'll see. And then on the other bit, on the under 21 minutes rule, um, look, I think it's important that um, players aren't discarded because they age out. So is there a way to continue developing players and uh, look at if someone's 22, for example, as long as they've played a 1000 minutes or 1500 minutes over the previous two seasons? 1,000 minutes if it's their last season as an under-21. Like, is there something that counts as credit kind of thing um, to the development of a player? Because the under-21 minutes rule is to widen and develop the player pool. Um, and so it should be about continuing to develop talent in my book. Um, and so is there something that sits there I've not mapped it out fully and properly and I like to come at these things like very analytically and data-driven and we look at it that way. I've not got the numbers in terms of on number of minutes played or average number of minutes played by 22-year-olds in the league and if there is a gap there even to sort of make a sweeping conclusion on that. But it's, um, it's certainly an interesting bit and something that, I'm sure the football department at the league will look at over the next uh, couple of months and years, and they're going to need to look at it because um, what we don't want is dilution in the player pool. So there's going to need to be tweaks to this and other rules so that we have as strong a product as possible on field with expansion.
1: That was a really interesting proposal that uh, you suggested about credits, you know, like, because, uh, uh, you know, like, um, it would be, like you said, it would be sad for us to see U-20 players age out and uh, have to, like, um, be fighting for spots uh, and be transferred out. Because that, that is sad to see, right? So I, I liked your idea about the, the credit, like, you know, building up that history uh, and be given that. Um, I guess, you know, just to kind of, like, follow up on that development angle, you know, like, you know, all of us, you know, a lot of us are CPL fans because, you know, we get that CPL is here for developing Canadian players, right? Like for young Canadian players, right? So that's why we, as a general, like you know, as a general concept, we appreciate the U twenty one rule and you know the, the rule for starting uh, Canadians uh, like six out of eleven, all that kind of stuff, right? In the in the in the grand scheme of all that, in the grand scheme of the thing, the fact that the CPL is here because we're here to develop young Canadian players beyond MLS, right? Like, when you see, like, that Jason DeVos, like, he's going on TSN, he's going on the Global Mail, and he's talking about the the issues with the CSA and with the CSB and all that. And keeping in mind that, you know, we are fans of CPL because we want to see young Canadian players develop. What's your whole take on, like, Jason DeVos and the CSA talking about the C, the CSB and all that?
3: Um, yeah, to be honest, Namu, I, I'm not going to get drawn into... Like public comment on that. I think uh, Laura Armstrong from the league, um, there's an article, I want to say it's on Sportsnet today, um, that has some comments and clarifications. I know from my experience um, as part of the Board of Governors, that a number of attempts were made to make some amendments to the contract that exists. I know that There are things that do not limit Canada soccer to schedule matches and generate funds from tickets, from bringing in opposition and doing many of the things that other federations do to generate revenue. Um, So I don't want to get drawn into it too much. I think there is um, a lot of sensationalism in the way headlines around this have been written for far too long. Um, And my my only bit genuinely as a outsider with inside knowledge, shall I say, in terms of someone who isn't a Canadian, um, but has really sort of fallen in love with this project in this country and everything else is that um, just be careful that everyone in Canada doesn't eat each other on this stuff and like buy into stuff and actually loses sight of what principle is, which is growing the game, building fandom, building passion for the sport, Um, because there's so much sensationalist nonsense that is written from so many different angles. And like the the curse of the armchair expert is real in so much of this, that it's incredibly frustrating when you know the work that is being done, um, that, that there is no clue of nuance of the situation. There is no clue of balance in some of the reporting and over sensationalism on all of this. And um, I've probably said too much already, um, but it, yeah. I mean, some of the reporting this week just makes no sense from a point of view of like basic rules of bankruptcy, accounting, financial due diligence, operation of companies in that to be bankrupt, you need a list of creditors for one. And um, I don't think that's an issue at all right now. And so I think there's a lot of uh, sensationalist nonsense and there's a lot of, shall we say, naivety in sort of some of the things that have been said or statements made and and things there. But again, CSB doesn't run Canada Soccer Association and vice versa. And, um, we got a really big event happening in 2026. Um, it's about making the most of that. And when you look at what other countries have done around the world on the way into major championships during the event itself and on the way out that have set the foundations for the sport. Everyone's got to come together and get it right. Or it'll be an opportunity that's missed. And quite frankly, none of us will ever see another Men's World Cup in Canada in our lifetimes. Um, It won't happen. So I would encourage everyone to band together, to work together and uh, make that event what it can be.
1: I appreciated that comment so much, like uh, especially when you said earlier about how we don't want decides to bicker and to eat each other like that's such a like relevant comment that you made because it's something that we've seen in canadian soccer for decades right and for you to like see it as a uh you know as somebody coming to canada like even for me like as an immigrant coming to canada and kind of seeing that like it's been so frustrating to see that like happen right and so that's exactly like what we're trying to avoid here is to have all these sides try to eat each other, bicker each other, all that kind of stuff, right? So I guess my last question to you, like a, just an open-ended question for you, would be like, uh, you know, what can, you know, and you know, we know what's you know, we know we there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, right? But in public, like in the front scenes, what can the CSB or the CPL do to get the, can- the Canadian men's national team and the Canadian women's national team and all the fans, all the Canadian soccer fans around the country, what can CSB and CPL do to kind of like help them see the side of CSV and CPL?
3: Um, bit, to be honest, I, d- I don't know the answer to that question straight off the bat. Um, I think it's, it, in some ways, all, all I would do is I would encourage people to look into like what's happening in their own backyard. Like, How did Dominic Sator make a debut for Canada this week? Dominic Zasor made a debut for Canada this week because this league that didn't exist five years ago has given the the guy the opportunity to create a name for himself, develop momentum and a transfer and a situation to our football club, um, where he was one of the better paid players in the league, um, built a body of work that got himself transferred to Poland and From there, Dom's done it himself. He's shown just how good he is um, every time there's been opportunity placed in front of him. So all I would say is,
1: Did uh, did my internet cut off or did Angus cut off or?
0: Yeah, sorry. I, I thought the same oh, I thought thing. They cut off for a second there. All right, sorry, sorry about that, guys. Uh, we uh, I think lost Angus there. We'll get him back once we can. But uh, uh, Namu, what were your thoughts on uh? Would like I I think uh, like my personal thing, and again, I'm like someone that's very much like violently wants the cpl to succeed so much like with york like with other teams growing up and and around here like just to have that option because you know we've never had it growing up and like it's relevant to me to have those cities something that's a little bit little bit sus to me about Rick West. is, obviously, TSN would love the CPL to maybe not kind of exist as it does because of their having other sports and, and having TFC. And then unfortunately, until Rogers and Bell show some sort of CPL interest that they haven't really been yet at all, um, it's a little bit kind of questionable when the guy from TSN, who's owned by Bell, that doesn't really doesn't want to show um kind of just like rogers doesn't really want to show any cpl soccer um i think a lot of the games that were aired were on cbc which is a different channel and like the fact that like a sky sports channel or like a fox sports channel in the states like have it on on more kind of regular cable i guess on a specialty sports channel versus really only telus cable having it here is uh is a kind of unfortunate thing that that Angus has mentioned to us before saying that, like, they, you know, they need to buy in as well. And I think all of us have been really disappointed with, like, stuff like TSN, where TSN gets all gung-ho and they have the World Cup, but their other, like, 300 days a year of, of soccer coverage pretty much doesn't exist because they stick to, like, hockey and football and stuff, so.
1: Um, really really well summarized jason man i completely agree with everything you just said you know obviously like all of us uh, look at tsn and sportsnet and we go where the hell you guys been the last three decades or so right you guys been cutting soccer coverage like crazy you guys been making csa pay like crazy like we're all like incredibly frustrated with them right that said even leaving out aside tsn and sportsnet just watching csa and csb by itself and just knowing that the, the csb uh, the CSC, the csa media rights and the sponsorship money is going to csb for the sake of CPL, right? Uh, it's just, you know, it's such a, like, tough situation to talk about because, you know, in the end, everything comes down to money in the end, right? And so that's why, you know, I always try my best to put my money down where my mouth is and I'll just, you know, I'll go try to support CPL. You know, we all got seasons. We all buy the jerseys. Uh, we go watch the World Cup when it's in Toronto. We go watch the, uh, the the World Cup qualifiers in Toronto. We try to put our money where our mouth is because we know that this actually contributes to both CSA and CSB, Right but uh you know still to see these two organizations fight it's, it's like watching mommy and daddy fight because you know we're like cpl ultra fans we're like canadian national team hardcore fans right so seeing like our two favorite things fight like this in the public it sucks as hell but uh it is reality and the, the best thing we can do is support it with our wallets or something like that i guess your thoughts guys josh thomas
2: i mean i think like it just I mean, I don't really know too much about like the business side of things, but I just I do wish that it was a bit more. Like, I think it could be a bit more open, and I think Canada Soccer as a whole kind of has a problem with they're not. You don't you don't really know anything that's that's actually going on. Maybe it does go back to you know people like from from TSN and not covering it from the inside. But one thing I was also thinking about why Canada Soccer might be in this money situation is when there were the hearings with the Heritage Committee, didn't the, didn't the uh, government say they were cutting off funds to the national team? Because I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure they said they, like, they would stop funding the team. So I feel like that might be a part of it. I, don't, I, I, don't, I That was a while ago. I, I don't, don't totally remember. And maybe one of you guys remember, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that they said that they would stop doing that, and that could be a reason
1: super quick just to address just that question is that uh i don't think i don't know if they cut funding but uh, they've made the funding tied to audits now and that was like a very big change that they brought in a month or two months ago and it was like news like uh national news so just to answer your question super quick on that right uh
2: yeah thank you thank you Nemo. um yeah it just some some of it i just you know really wish i think um obviously you know everything is going to come down to money but I i I feel like also um you know when people look at the outside and they're gonna say oh this you know all this problem with the money and stuff but you know when when they go to you know when they when they go to York and you, you know you you see all these players they're not they're not pay- being paid on the highest possible wages right and you know when they see that I you know I hope people think well it's not all about money it's about you know passion too when they see you guys in the stands and and they say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back because I think looking at the outside of Canada soccer and the Canadian Premier League it, and you know the national teams, it can all seem a bit evil, a bit because I think of all this money stuff. But once you actually go, it's it's the complete opposite. So I think it you know a big part of this is people do actually have to show up to make sure that you know the next time a broadcasting. Um, deal comes around, you know, more money is being paid for Canada soccer because more people are watching it, right? Um, When there's sponsorships, they get bigger because more people are being exposed to those brands because more people are going to the games, right? So I think, you know, obviously, it's very early in the Canadian Premier League, right? But there has to be some sort of reckoning across the country soon that this is right here and we need to take advantage of it.
0: No, absolutely, like, 2026 20, is going to be huge, and I want to see, like, more stuff leading up to it. Like, what I'm seeing a lot of is excitement for the uh, uh, the pyramid, as it were. Like, there's, uh, if you want to go all the way up, there's <laughs> chaos at TFC. We're all like, whew, glad we're not them as, as things are going a bit haywire there. But we're enjoying the CPL, a very exciting season, a season where we're, in a playoff spot and uh we'll get into things later on but like that that's exciting too and then down to to league one uh ontario we have a number of our supporters now that are checking that level out and it's cool to see either former cplers like i saw um a good number of uh, former york players that are playing for uh for vaughn um including a couple of the as we we chatted about last uh, last episode the the tst this sport the soccer tournament guys um we uh we like just uh all around you know love the sport and then all the way top to the to the national team and national teams um as uh, i know a lot of us are really excited that in uh less than a month now the uh FIFA Women's World Cup kicks off on the other side of the world so we're we're all going to be a bunch of people you know it that are going to be up at, like, 2 a.m. or on the other side at, like, 7 a.m., uh, like, just just chatting the game that's going on um, at the time. Uh, Thomas? Yeah, I
2: just also want to say, because, you know, a lot of people do talk about 2026, and, you know, I think, you know, when, 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 Angus, when Angus talks about it and says it's such a big opportunity, he, you know, he's totally right, but we are not taking this opportunity, because as of right now, if the World Cup is happening next year, Like FIFA, we need to get seriously involved because as far as I know, they have not even figured out what BMO is going to look like when they add those extra 15,000 seats. To be perfectly honest, when it comes to 2026, we are every month that goes by without developments about that, it's a month wasted and it, it, it keeps showing that like. This could be like a train wreck. I really, really, none of us want that to happen because none of us want to be, you know, three months away, you know, one year away from the World Cup and FIFA, like, has to pull back on it and say, you're not fit to be a host because you have done nothing. You have just stalled for the past eight years. And I feel like, you know, every day that goes by with, with nothing to do about it, it's it, we keep showing like we are not ready for this tournament. And with this added this added thing about potential potentially having look into bankruptcy even though as as far as I know that's not like a tomorrow thing. That's a that's a couple month like that that if worse comes to worse, that's far in the future. But it just it really does feel like every, all the work that, you know, you the fans have put into this it's like crumbling before our eyes. And with such a big event and a, such a big tournament, such a big chance to really show what Canada is all about, we're going to leave the wrong impression on every single person in the world. And that is not what has to happen. So like, you know, MLSE organizing the stuff in Toronto, got to get their act together. Like everything about it, Canada soccer, just got to get their act together. And in my opinion, this stuff can happen. You can have this happen, but just not before 2026 and focus on the 2026 Um, put everything into that because work does need to be done and quick. We're three years away now. We can't be pretending like we still have a full World Cup cycle. We don't. It, like, the time really is ticking now, um, three years away, and I'm, just, I'm worried that at the moment we're wasting our opportunity.
1: Thomas, and just to uh, literally piggyback off what you're saying, uh, this is a question that I've asked for Angus. I don't know if we've asked Angus this question before, but we 100% need to remember to ask him this. And I'll ask Josh as well, because I feel like Josh knows this topic well. But my question to really all you guys is, um, the World Cup funding, is there anything left from Toronto or CSA or whatever, I I have no idea, for, let's say, Woodbine? Cause I feel like we were hoping for CSA funding for Woodbine, so that it could be one of the training grounds that could serve as like a yeah like a base for different clubs that the, the not clubs <laughs> different nations that will be having their group stage matches at BMO Field, right? Because you know they still need to train or whatever, right? And they could like, get the rinky dinky fields around uh, whatever, but like you know Woodbine, if they made it like a nice uh, CSA training ground, that would have been like the perfect uh, training base for some of the countries for twenty twenty six, right? So. The question would for Angus would have been, is there any uh, development uh, with the CSA or with the World Cup for Woodbine? Or is that just completely dependent right now on new owners or whatever? So that's my kind of like general question. Just, you know, like tie in the World Cup, Woodbine, and also maybe uh uh Project 8 as well.
2: As far as I know, the Woodbine thing is like pretty far away because like, you know, they change CEOs. Um, like talking to people like at, at the stadium, Um, it it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's, it's very imminent, and obviously if it is going to be like a, one of the six, five things, it could be built very quickly, but there's still like so much to be done, and it seems like based on you know what people have told me, it seems to be getting a bit a bit further away, you know, um, which obviously is not a good thing. Um, but there's, but there's still they're, they're still kind of keep getting
0: sent back to Ground Zero. Yeah, like, I, I totally agree with what you said, Thomas, because I felt that way when we had the first, or sorry, well, second time ever for, for Canada's men's team, and first time in many of our lifetimes, including mine, that Canada made the World Cup. I didn't really feel like too much was going on, except for supporters, like Voyagers doing stuff, and uh, I am going to whisper this one again, I I gotta stop going on podcasts and, and talking about like Forge and Hamilton stuff, but I, I'm, uh, it's not a secret that I'm as close to Hamilton as I am to York Stadium. And I like headed down there for the, uh, Morocco game. And it was, again, it was like a, a Forge, uh, like run event. And then the one that, that we went to, um, for the first game, and then I didn't make it to anything as a I just set of friends for the Croatia game. But as far as I could tell, like there, there was some buzz that, but it's just coming from, from people and the, the people that you saw wearing Canada jerseys and, and stuff. But there wasn't as much as a, a buzz as I, I would have hoped. But uh, I think it's the kind of thing that might be more of a slow burn, and we got to really start becoming the uh, football nation that we could be step by step, but it's going to be hard when um, the the other big sport here, hockey, just there's, there's sometimes clashing heads between those. And there's not often two like huge, huge, huge fans of both. I've, I've started to find lately, but um, I'm someone that definitely has left hockey behind to be kind of a a full-time, you know, soccer, like, d 24-7, like, oh, okay, okay. Not, not as bad as I think uh, some other people, but I did watch the Belarus League in 2020 when it was like the only one running because of COVID. So I will say that. And we will move on to a very quick, we're not going to spend too much longer because we're just uh, about five minutes away from being at an hour. We're not going to keep our episodes too, too long, but we do have to recap the month of June. June was a very important month, not just on the field but off the field, as it was Pride Razor in which many different supporters groups, um, in, including like uh, obviously Northern Corridor, is, is who did our Pride Razor for the P Flag York Region um, organization, and that is also, I believe, who is um, I know Thomas, you listed off exactly where. The Pride Jersey sales. I think fifteen percent go. Oh, it was the. I think the pro. See again. I. I gotta do my research before
2: I. I'm pretty sure fifteen percent go to, P Flag York Region. I'm. Is that or the the, the are archive, the archives or like the yeah. archives? I, I'm not really sure it's pronounced, but it's. Is one of the those two? I'm pretty sure it's P Flag because I know York yep. is. York is partnered with a few, um, including the Five Oh Nine, so it might have even been there, or it might have been 15, and 15, fifteen. But either way, uh, a, a portion of it was donated to um, LGBTQ
0: plus organizations. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it. it's the the R-Q-I-V-E-S, So A R capital Q U I V E S. That is fifteen. They're going to get fifteen percent of every sale. So um, I got myself. Uh, A kit there and then it was the auction from the the game worn one so as a heads up to everyone listening you have about 24 hours to bid on the kits Um, we were looking at for a while there were you know there were some that got bid on right away a few people were, were waiting on but the last time I checked it more than half of them had not only one bid have gone up a, a couple now, so <laughs> including a couple people that are like, oh, I hope to get this one at this price. So I recommend I if there's a guy a... You're like, barely lost on the Paris, uh, Paris G one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone really wanted Paris G, and then Paris G got a couple of bids on him, so he's thinking about it. But I think uh, even, like, Ricci, Ferrari, uh, Jeremy Gagnon, la LaPare, there's still some Excellent players that you can still bid on. And those ones, the 100%, like the proceeds will go to PFLAG Canada York Region. So that's also who our pride raiser is. So for our pride um, overall month, we got six goals in the month. Uh, three of them from Mo Babuli we'll bring up in a couple minutes The irony of that. Uh, One uh, from Kevin Dos Santos. What a goal that was, right in front of the Pyrak against Halifax Wanderers. Uh, Then we all had a Luke Singh own goal. Uh, If you remember, Jonathan Grant crossing that one in and then it going into that net. And Osaze DiRozero gets his first of the season. Um, So six goals total. um, And our pledge got up to $70. And six times seventy is four twenty. So Pride Racer did a pretty funny tweet about that. So check out that, and hopefully we raise more than than four twenty. I know last year we didn't have very many goals, so a few of us kind of increased our original things as well. So feel this, free this to donate the pledge pretty... amount, or, or sorry, Thomas. It's good that the, this team can actually score. Um, you yeah. know,
2: you know it. You know, it, it it might not have been, you know, the best, you know, with the five players skipping, it's like, but, you know,
0: it was made up for that in, uh, in goals, um, which was good. Yeah, the, uh, so the June recap, again, very quick. We're, we're just going to kind of recap it and then and move on because it was, unfortunately, of the three months we've had, it's our worst month in terms of results and points. Um, we did We went one, two, and two. So we started off the month with a one, one draw against Valor where Babuli got an excellent goal, but Matteo Dubrien got a absolute banger of a goal. Um, and then the uh, final score was one, one uh, Babuli won the player of the match there. Um, and then the controversial game as we'll get to with the no pride five. Um, we, uh, again, any, any comments on that? Uh, It's uh, unfortunate to see like everyone is pretty bummed out. I'm someone and you know, I'm not going to be afraid to admit this. I went from ordering a jersey beforehand, like before that earlier in the month to, uh, to asking for another player on that jersey that I personally own. Um, I know I'm not alone in doing that. And on the other hand, there, there are some people I know that that's still, you know, like the player on, on the field and, and how it does there. Now that game on the field, we won two to one Our uh, we, we scored then, then they got one back and then we scored again to win our entire bench, um, was I think in grade 12, uh, cause I think, or, or less, I think. Uh, One or two of them were posting about their high school graduation kind of thing. So, obviously, these developmental contracts we brought in because of uh, Brem, Alu, Babuli, Marky, and uh, Brian Wright sitting out that game because I guess they'd rather do that than wear the flag, uh, the pride flag. So, we are going to absolutely... uh, be rocking that ourselves in the uh, the pie rack, which again, for the month of June, and probably, you know, we still got the flags, we're still going to put them up, we'll continue to be the pride rack. So, you know, unfortunate to see there, and I mean, in terms of player of the month voting, like, if you miss a game out of five, you're just... Likely just going to get kind of passed by, by other guys. So, player, or sorry, I, I'm still going to recap the rest of the games. So we'll get into player of the month and and everything there. So, on the Atletico Ottawa win, uh, Jeremy again, young Lapare got the Gatorade performance of the man, match, KNPL performance of the uh, player of the match as well. And one soccer team of the week had. Jeremy Gagnon-Lapare, Tass Mordekudis, and Jonathan Grant. So from those two games combined, those three guys made the team of the week. Uh, Then we had nine days off, flew to Pacific, lost 1-0 on a last-minute goal by Sean Young. Um, So that was unfortunate there. Um, Then we had a home game, 2-2, against HFX Wanderers, in which we saw the happiest ever goalie, that conceded two goals in Jan Filion. so that was a, uh, uh. <laughs> um, in that game, Moe Blue scored, Kevin DeSantos scored, and Kevin DeSantos got man in the match, um, and the last two man in the matches were Max Ferrari in the Pacific game and Osaze Di Rosario in the, in the Pride game in Ottawa. Final game of the month of June. Mo Babouli scores however Cavalry scored two goals and we lose in Cavalry that's the third game in that stretch of of six uh days where we had three games Mo Babouli he was voted our player of the match on, on supporters by you the fans um he was actually picked to not only the CPL team of the week he was the player of the week so it's kind of think about it in a way he had a potential to probably get player of the month um but doesn't even get on the list because like just you know didn't didn't have the minutes and didn't have that and and I will say that um Clement Baia was actually the next cutoff so like Baia then Babuli kind of not so much yeah the, uh, player of the month
2: and Babuli, because of honestly, I've never seen a player get more unnecessary yellow cards than him. So he's actually out on yellow card suspension. And in the next game.
0: and thank you, Thomas. That was absolutely a factor in it. Was the fact that uh, the amount of yellow cards has earned a suspension. So that like that was just probably the tie tie uh, breaker between him and and Baia on the the fifth place spot. But the four that we have nominated for player of the month are uh, Jeremy gagnon Um He was uh, the kind of first in a lot of rankings and, and not just like kind of his impact on the field across all of his games, where he played a lot of 90-minute performances. But he's just like statistically and on-field, uh, really crushing it. Um, he has not won our Player of the Week, which is interesting, but that never stops people from sometimes winning the Player of the Month. Sometimes it's, it's more of a cumulative thing is, is what I go for with the Player of the Month. Uh, the second one nominated, uh, I know you're a fan of this one uh, as well as our, our fourth one, name, will be Tass Mortacudis. Again, another one where just you see the 90 minute performances, like in the game where he didn't play at all. We did lose 2 1, conceding a few goals, so Tass is appreciated. Um, third player of the month nominee, again, very solid throughout all of his games, is Max Ferrari. Yeah, an absolute beast out there. We we love seeing him uh, right back and doing really well. And the fourth one, the Iron Man, who played all 450 minutes that, that were possible. So he did have a uh, extra time substitution, but you know that doesn't count as much. So we'll just say that he keeps his Iron Man streak going. Is Paris G. So those are the four guys. So I've said a lot right there. So we'll close the show. Both uh, Namu, Thomas, and anyone else that wants to, to speak, thank you for joining in. Uh, just let, let us know what you think about the month of June or any of our Player of the Month nominees.
2: Um, you know, the month, of, the month of June is, like, I think, you know, is, is great for a couple of reasons, um, especially this one. You know, having that jersey there, it was, it was incredible that whole night just big props game day staff and everyone in that front office of York for making it happen, you know, and, and not, and not stalling with it. You know, unlike like we saw recently, the NHL is getting rid of pride jerseys pregame. So, you know, and earlier in that same month, York, you know, they, they upped the ante by actually wearing a, I cannot think of another fully professional team that has worn a pride jersey in like an actual competitive game. So that was huge. Um, the team uh, you know you said it, it wasn't the bet it was our worst result wise but it still doesn't feel like it was too bad also um I think it, it has to be mentioned that in June, you know the weather the weather's getting warmer the sun's getting out for longer and it does sort of feel like you're getting to add, um some of those beautiful summer nights at a at your client's back again which is such a welcome sign I, we I know I think we have I think we have four home games during summer and the first one is on july 9th it's a sunday It's a league one doubleheader that day so uh show up um and um yeah it uh june is, it's 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 great and um yeah and as the summer goes on hopefully the hopefully if if the weather heats the york's form does too also i will say for player of the month i am voting for max ferrari
0: Ooh, all right, uh, Namu. Any kind of thoughts on uh, either the month of June, your your thoughts for going into July, or uh, any of these Player of the Month nominees? Yeah, sorry, I don't don't think I can hear Namu. So I'll um kind of. Close things out a little bit um, with, uh, again, shout out to the, uh, the guys that made the player of the week throughout the month of June. So that's Jonathan Grant, Tasta Jeremy Gagnon Lapere, and Mo Babouli. And as well for Babouli for the recent player of the week. And um, going ahead to the month of July. So in July, we visit, start off on the day after Canada Day on July 2nd, away to Vancouver FC. So I believe that's the team's first trip to Vancouver. And um, I think they got another one later in the year. Um, And then, yeah, on July 9th, we have the 905 Derby Home to Forge. Now, we did play them already. And hopefully we get a better result this time around in our house. Um, I think it's kind of funny with the 905 Derby. It seems that the home team seems to struggle. Because we lost 1-0 on that Taron Campbell goal last time. But then we went to Hamilton and won 2-1. So hopefully we hold on to the, uh, the upper hand against Forge when we host them on July 9th. Now that game also has an initiative where if you have any gently used soccer gear... You can bring those to the game. Uh, That'll get you a free ticket. Um, Or if you already have a ticket to this game, it will get you a ticket to a future match. But more importantly than that, it will uh, get um, hopefully a a child, a a young uh, player that hopes to one day play on York Lions Stadium or the new Woodbine Stadium um, as a member of like, you know, your, one of York's team or York's Academy teams. Um, you can start the, off their, their journey a little bit better by, you know, if you have any cleats, you know, shin pads, uh, anything like that, maybe gloves for a goalie, it'll go a long way. So that's on July 9th. Then we host them, uh, the League Leaders Pacific FC on Friday, July 14th. So quick turnaround. We go from the Sunday forge game and note that's a sunday night game hopefully you're available uh at 7 p.m or uh or sorry nope that one was adjusted 7 30 p.m on that sunday the 9th um and then we have another 7 30 when we host pacific on the 14th then we go off to winnipeg so that's our last time um traveling to ig field i'm gonna look that yeah we uh started june there so we uh Almost finished July there at IG Field. And the last um, game we have of July, it's one at home. And we're playing the Hall of Halifax Wanderers as Jan Filion will hopefully hear from us again. So that's July. Um, that's June recap. Thank you all for listening. And come on, you nine stripes and shoes off for the blue and green. Have a great night.